Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to apologize to Mike Zimmer. He was right all along. And the Vikings proved that today when they traded for Nick Mullins. They do not trust Kellerman to play in a football game. Along with that, we're going to talk about the game against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to talk about potential Mr. Mankato winners, including a gentleman that is technically not eligible, but we'll get into that later. All of this and more on tonight's The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, and founder of Substack Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Dave, my man, how are you feeling today knowing that we have a backup quarterback that is plausible to play in a football game? I think it's fantastic, and I even broke up my Good, very, very good tequila for it, just for you, Joseph. And I have my trusty bottle of water. I'm going to have myself a glass of bourbon tonight because today is a is a very good show. We are very excited about this, but it's also a special show because it's the last show without my little pupper, Odie, as I get to go pick him up tomorrow. So next week, you will all get to view the cute little ball of joy, and I'm very excited for that. But we're going to talk a lot of Vikings football here tonight. And one of the big things, Dave, like let's start with this Nick Mullins trade. One, the compensation is incredible. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa uh, did what um, what we used to call like the Rick Spielman special, where you give up basically nothing. And he gave up a conditional seventh in 20. 24. Mm-hmm. Now the conditions are very interesting. Nick Mullins has to suit up for a game in 2022 in order for that pick to actually go to the Las Vegas Raiders. So if he comes in and is just like a giant turd and stinks up the joint, the Vikings cut him. They don't lose anything. There's right. no guaranteed money. The Raiders have already paid it out. The Vikings don't lose any compensation. They, they don't lose that seventh round pick. So this is an incredible win-win for the Vikings. Um, I am really, really excited about the fact that we have a guy who's capable of playing in a live regular season football game. Oh, okay, he's 5-12, and 12, but the, he knows the system. So the verbiage is going to be very easy for him to figure out because he played for Kyle Shanahan for four years and then Kevin Stefanski. He knows the Shanahan-style offense. So that should be relatively easy. And he knows how to play really well within rhythm. 
if you don't ask him to do a lot of big boy stuff and just play within himself, play in a timing style passing game, which the Shanahan system has a lot of, you just need to calm down the big time stuff and let the team win these games for him. You, It's not unfair to expect Nick Mullins in a situation where Kirk Cousins is out, let's say a month, say he misses four games. You can go two and two. And it's plausible for Nick Mullins to be able to pull that off. And I think, all things considered, that's what you want in a backup quarterback. Inexpensive, capable to win you a game when he has to play. The Vikings hit a home run here. I agree wholeheartedly. And if you look at the 17 games he played, he completed over 4,000 yards. Uh, He knows how to throw the football. He can move. He's got a good attitude. It's a little bit feisty sometimes, which I like. And he does well. I comped him earlier today to 2017 Case Keenum at this time of the season, where we're, you know, running through the preseason, going through it all. Hopefully Case never gets used, right? But we know what happened in 2017. I think Nick Mullins, given the right circumstances, and luck, or unlucky if you want to call it because Kirk's out, has that same sort of potential, right? 2017 was the fire year for Case Keenum where he caught fire, won everything, Mm -hmm. and then settled back down to his normal spot after that. I think Nick Mullins could do the same if necessary, and hopefully he won't be, but I think it's a great selection because it's better than the other two quarterbacks that we have fighting for the backup role. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing. We saw Kalamond should not be playing in the National Football League at this stage. You cannot put him in a game in the regular season and expect him to, one, have any kind of future because it could easily ruin him, and two, he's not going to win you a football game. He may not even keep you any form of competitive. He may just absolutely stink up the joint. You can't trust him. Sean Mannion is awful. He's got everything up top. Everything up top, Sean Mannion knows how to play the game of football. He can't do it. He cannot throw the ball well enough. He can't see the field well enough, but he knows how to play the position. That's that's one of the reasons why he's on his team. He's a coach. Sean Mannion's a coach with a roster spot. Give him a few hundred thousand dollars. Make him like the special assistant of Kevin O'Connell. Move on with your day. Nick Mullins can throw the football. Does he have a huge arm? No. He plays well within rhythm and timing-based passing concept. You can win a couple games with that guy in a pinch. That's all the Vikings need. Kirk Cousins has been one of the most durable quarterbacks in the National Football League. Him and Tom Brady, just they don't miss time. Brady missed the one season with the torn ACL. Other than that, I don't believe he's missed one game due to injury in his entire career. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. When you have your quarterback and you can count on him to always play, it's a bigger deal than you think. And I'm really excited the fact that if something were to happen, because you always have to prepare for if, this is football. It is a dangerous game. Stuff happens, especially when you're quarterback, because you have – Guys bearing down on you consistently. All of a sudden, hey, like you're rolling out. Somebody rolls into the back. You're like, oh, done for the year. Like, that's not an abnormal occurrence here. That's why they have the below the knee rule where you can't go low on a quarterback. 
because it first happened to Carson Palmer and then it happened to Tom Brady. And the NFL was like, okay, we saw it once anomaly twice. Okay. We need to nip this in the bud. Quarterbacks sell tickets. They draw ratings. So the Vikings now have an option at quarterback after Kirk Cousins. That's capable. And I, I saw on uh, Twitter day, it's like, oh, the Viking, Vikings fans see did not throw parades. We're not throwing a parade. We're just happy to have capable, capable backup quarterback. Somebody that you can count on to not be a peewee quarterback. That's good. We should right. be happy about that. But we're not saying, hey, Super Bowl homeboy. That's not what this is. We have a capable backup, and that's exciting. It is exciting. And what is unique about this situation is that it wasn't wait till after the third preseason game and make a panic move giving up a third or a fourth for a player that will never play and turns out what he does is horrible. This is making a smart move now with somebody that uh, Quasi knows because he knew him in San Francisco and he knew him at Cleveland, right, that they watched in preseason game one score points against the Vikings. They know him. They know his background. And it's the 2024 seventh rounder, which if you get a decent, if you can get a backup quarter quarterback, period, a seventh rounder is an easy price to pay. It's like getting him for free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's like getting him for free, especially because the Vikings have done a historically good job of getting compensatory draft picks. And they're projected, I believe, to get two sixth rounders this year, which mm-hmm. it, look, it's draft capital. It makes a difference. So the Vikings have traded for a backup quarterback before. They got Trevor Simeon in a seventh or a fifth-round pick from the Denver Broncos in 2018. Simeon was in danger of not making the roster at that point in 2018. And this is kind of the same thing with Nick Mullins. The Raiders gave him a one-year $2 million max contract, $1.25 million in unguaranteed salary, $500,000 in signing bonus, $68,000 in in-game roster bonuses, and $192,000 in workout bonuses. The Vikings are on the hook for the $1.25 million and the $68,000 in game day roster bonuses. That is fine for a backup because you're paying him just above the minimum. You're not paying a ton. You're getting this guy for a good price. And I think, Dave, that is a really big deal for this team because they were cap strong. And one of the reasons why they didn't sign a higher-priced backup quarterback before, they did not have the cap space. Nick Mullins, they got a chance to look at him last Sunday against the mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders. He was seven for nine. His only two passes that were incomplete were deep balls. And the touchdown pass he threw was a great timing crossing route right over the middle. And he stuck it in a hole, a very narrow window. It was a great throw. And when they realized that he wasn't going to make the team, the Raiders were able to pull the trigger. And they felt comfortable getting rid of him for such a low price. Because now they don't have to worry about anything. They got something back or an asset they were going to cut anyways. It's a win for all sides. Mm-hmm. And with, whether it's Mond, Mannion, or both, they'll recoup some of that money. Now, I know Mannion's got 250000 guaranteed that um, will have to be paid. But they'll recoup some of that money 
if those guys get released from the team, at least one of them is expected to. Have you a clue as to which one and when? What timeline are we looking at? No, I'm not 100% sure, Dave. Um, what do you think the timeline's looking like? Well, with uh, Kevin O'Connell in his press conference today, he says we still have time. We're good. There's still a battle to look who's going to make the roster and who's not. That tells me that Mond and Mannion will play in the third preseason game. Question is, will Nick Mullins play in the third preseason game? I hope he does, me personally, but I don't know. That means they're going to go probably down to the wire selecting who of the backups there will make the team if either of them does. Uh, I think Mannion's most likely the one to be cut because you generally pick a third-round quarterback or higher, give them three years' worth of development before you give up. But I could see both of them going if they want to keep two. I could see them waving uh, Mod in hopes he gets through the waiver process and no other team picks him up, which other teams are going to look at him and go, we were high on him before, and they might take him. But... I at least see Mannion's writing on the wall. After next week weekend's game, when they start doing all those massive cuts to get down to 53, I expect Mannion to go on to semi-retirement off somewhere. Yeah. I'll be honest. I think Mannion may go on semi-retirement tomorrow. The Vikings uh, outright released Albert Wilson, wide receiver, and waived with an injury designation, Julian Taylor, narrowing their roster down to 84 players. By 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, they have to be down to 80. So they have to make four more roster moves in order to be uh, roster compliant. Then next Tuesday at the exact same time, they have to go from 80 to 53. That's going to be the really difficult one. One thing that really intrigues me about this, Dave, even though Kevin O'Connell said all those things, saying, hey, it's still a competition, you know, we want to see these guys play. I really think that Kellen Mond has the quarterback three job in the bag for a couple reasons. One, he's got a lot of room to grow. The fact that his ceiling, whatever that ceiling is, I think it's completely untapped at this point. Two, the rookie scale contract. Neither one of those guys, sorry, uh, Sean Mannion does not have that. Because Sean Mannion does not have that, I think it's a, a, a slam dunk that you're going to see Kellen Mond on this roster. But I, I think it's more of a slam dunk that you're not going to see Sean Mannion on this roster. Um, I don't know with Kellen Mond, if you wave him, if you'll be able to sneak him onto the practice squad. He was a third-round pick. There were teams that viewed him very highly. And because teams viewed him very highly, that can be a difficult thing to sneak onto the practice squad. He was a third-round pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. At the quarterback position, somebody's going to think that they can fix him, and I don't don't think if you believe in him at all, you have any shred of I think this guy can at least be a capable backup for me. You cannot get rid of him at this point. The question is, if you believe in him, I, I don't. I I don't like what I've seen so far. Yes, he has some talents, but others, it's 
I don't know. We'll find out. Let's move on to the next topic. Absolutely. Well, Dave, the next topic is the Vikings get QB2. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, let's talk about some rookies, Dave. Rookies played very well, and the future feels really bright. But I, we need to um, address the elephant in the room. Andrew Booth Jr. went down with an unfortunate non-contact injury. The way he went down and the way it looked, it looked like a knee. It looked like a potential torn ACL because the way he hobbled, the way he stopped, it looked really bad. Thankfully, Kevin O'Connell came out today, and we did find out on Saturday night that it was an ankle, that he should be ready for week one. So we're probably not going to see him on Saturday, which is a good thing. But we're going to be able to have Andrew Booth Jr. for the games that count. He should be able to practice relatively soon, considering the injury. And uh, he has a lot of ability. Some of the things from college translated, unfortunately, to the NFL. He's a little physical. And because he's physical, he's grabby. Now, we saw some of those same traits with Xavier Rhodes when he first came into the league. That's why Mike Zimmer put the boxing gloves on. Because they had the boxing gloves, it prevented him from actually being able to grab. So it helped him learn to not. I think that might be something that might help Andrew Booth because he is grabby. And in college, you can get away with a lot. There's no illegal contact. It's pass interference or nothing. You can you can get away with stuff. In the NFL, you cannot, especially with the added emphasis of illegal contact this year. They're going to be looking for it intentionally, and you have to be extra careful. Um, I don't like, and Purple Haze just mentioned in the chat, just a tweak. Uh-oh. I understand. Andrew Booth has a history of injuries, but it is just an ankle sprain. We're not talking a Liz Frank. We're not talking a knee. Not even talking a high ankle sprain. Just, a, to my knowledge, a standard ankle sprain. Because of that, we should be okay because he'll be given the time to completely heal it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I, let's move on ice, to... Heat. Alternate wrap. That's the only way it's going to work. And it will work. They don't last that long. Mm-hmm. So, And Raymond just said in the chat, like the other drafted cornerback are also, a Caleb Evans. Caleb mm-hmm. Evans has flashed. He's great at staying in phase. And here's what that means. So if Dave, let's say you're running a corner route and I'm running with you. I stay with you the entire route. You don't right. gain a lot of separation from me. I'm with you step for step. That's staying in phase. It's easier to talk about on a comeback route. So you you got the receiver, gets an outside release, goes up about 10 yards, completely puts on the brakes, and cuts at a 60-degree angle right towards the sideline. And the cornerback, when he does that, he's running with, and then he's able to cut on the dime as well and continue and potentially break that pass up. If you're able to stay in phase and continue with the receiver throughout those cuts, you're doing a great job, and it puts you in position to get a pass breakup. Now, Caleb Evans does a great job of staying in phase, but once he gets to that catch point, he struggles with that timing to be able to get the pass breakups. That's something that will come with time and it will come with experience. That's It's and something you coaching. can teach. Right, and yeah. Patrick Peterson go, here, you want to look at this. You want to look at that. This is when you're going to need to make your break and teach the little tricks of what they're looking at, whether it be, um, you know, when the wide receiver plants a hip and you know drops the hip right before he plants, and he's looking at his hip or he's looking at 
whatever, or the eyes, right? We've heard for decades, good corners watch the eyes of the receivers to know when the ball is coming. Because always when you go to catch a ball, your eyes go like this, right? And it's things like that he can learn and he can develop. And I think Caleb Evans down the road will be an outstanding or very, very good corner. I think Mm -hmm. this year he'll mostly be, you know, a backup player. And he may get into the second half of the season where he spells some people. Hopefully that's the only time because they're, um, you know, tired and they want to do the rotation thing. I think Caleb Evans was basically what might turn out to be one of the steals of this draft when it's all done and said. Dave, I don't disagree with you. I think he very well could be a steal of the draft. And it was interesting because Kwesi Adolfo Mensa during the process said that he found a guy where he absolutely loved him and he just couldn't stop watching him and he was going to do everything he could to get him. We found out later that that player was a Caleb Evans and he, he proved it. The proof is in the pudding, Dave, because what did he do? He traded 156 and a fourth rounder in 2023 to go up to 118 to take him. And the Vikings picked at 122. And yep. they ended up moving back and taking two fifths. So the fact that they ended up taking Evans with that kind of capital invested in him means that they have big plans for this guy. And even if he never turns into a really solid starting cornerback, he's going to be a valuable rotational player. And if you can get a guy who can come in, you can count on for snaps. I think it's a big win. Adam, I see you in the chat. Sorry, I can't talk to you every day. I hope you're doing well. Um, Dave. I see it. <laughs> your Twitch Mas is much tequila more is on my tequila. drinking playlist on my iTunes deal. That's what beautiful. Songs I love about. it. <laughs> I love it. Um, let's move on to um, Louis Seen. And I think Seen mm-hmm. is going to be very difficult to judge because he is getting really close and he's been in. And I use that right. with air quotes on a lot of plays because he's been around the ball, but he's not making a lot of plays. And that can be really difficult. I'll be honest, I don't have the All-22 right now. NFL Plus is awful in how they present their their subscription model. And I am still looking for the All-22 file, unfortunately. So if you have it, please send it to me. I need it. I will look, because um, I, I get it too. And it's I haven't looked for the, the coach's film yet. As a matter of fact, it re-ups yeah. today or tomorrow for me. Yeah, if you Dave, if you, if you find it, I know some people have it, but they haven't been able to share it. Please send it to me. I need to see it because seeing safeties are tough because you have to be able to see one. How close are they when the play happens? How far away are they when they, when they recognize it and how quick are they able to recognize it and then come downfield and attack? It's it's a very complicated thing with safeties. You have to have that all 22. And what defense they look like they're playing, you know, are they covering this zone or that zone or are they, you know, watching man or the shading, shading towards the line or not. And then you can go, hey, he's obviously in this, but the receiver over here breaks and he makes the play. It's like, holy shit, right? It's certain things like that you've got to look for and you can see in the all 22. You can also mm-hmm. see from the all 22 the quarterback's view behind the quarterback, which way the quarterback's looking. That's why I always love teams with a stripe down the helmet. Because with that, you can literally see which direction they're looking. 
and then go from there out to whatever defensive back is out there and going, well, is this quarterback trying to look off the safety or is he looking directly at the safety and the safety is not paying attention? And you can do evaluations that way. There's there's different ways to look at it. And the All-22 is good for it if you can find it. And I will look after the show, see if I can pull it up. It's got to be yeah, there because I've seen clips from it so far. Mm-hmm. Well, while you look at it, like that's honestly the big thing with safeties. You have to be able to see everything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't see everything they're doing. You really can't fairly evaluate them because you have to understand so many little nuances and be able to explain why they weren't making a play or why they were making a play because everything is very circumstantial. And uh, because of that, I, I, let's while you look for that, Dave, let's transition to Brian Asamoah real quick. Asamoah, well, I was going to look for it after this show. So Brian oh, Asamoah. Okay. Well, then, yeah, send it to me later. Uh, Brian Asamoah, very interesting player. Incredibly quick, aggressive. He wants to thump you. Wants to just yeah, lay the wood, um, smack you in the mouth. But the problem is he gets a little too over aggressive. He does not see things well right away, and he he misses. <laughs> Ted Glover. I don't have all twenty two film, but I do have film of your mom. Well, my mom's probably watching this right now, Ted. So you're gonna have to. I'll give you her number. You have to explain that to her. Um, because that's very disrespectful, but my mom probably doesn't care. She's probably laughing her ass off. Uh, that Asamoah needs to figure out what he's seeing. He needs, he needs to spend more time in the film room. He needs to see some of these looks on a more consistent basis. And the more he sees, the more experience he gets is going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Aaron talking about, um, trying to get out of market games of pain in the ass. Yes. Um, I, thankfully, I live in market. Um, I've never lived out of market. Uh, the one time I was out of market for a Vikings game, I couldn't get it. I was in the Dominican Republic, and that was the Teddy Bridgewater return game against Cincinnati. I was very sad that I missed it. Well, but Aaron's down you, here in Austin with me, so um, ooh. he knows the pain. Yeah. Um, yeah, Asamoah needs reps. He needs time. He needs to work in the film room. He needs to... Uh, be in the room with guys like Eric Kendricks who can show him, hey, when you see this, this is what happens. And then you need to be aware that you have to hit this gap and you have to stay with this gap. And especially with zone schemes, gap discipline is really important. Dave, when you played high school football, I'm guessing you played a bunch of option teams, right? Oh, yes. I hate so it. the big thing with option fo- yeah, the big thing with option football, you have to be gap discipline oriented. If mm-hmm. you're not they will torch you because they have ways to manipulate you and hit gaps that you are not covering because you get too aggressive. And Asamo needs to be able to hone that in and unleash it at the right times. And the big deal is, all right, is it the main option team we played, played a veer and, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's similar to the wishbone back in the day. Right. And it's, Quarterback gets the ball, he options, hands off to the running back, shooting the A-gap. He either does, he either puts it in his belly or pulls it out the last second, and he goes to the next. That may be the fullback that's coming in the A-gap. Then he goes to halfback, and then he pulls or yanks it, and he goes around, and the defensive end, and I played all across the defensive line, defensive end's got to make sure that the trailing back or wide receiver that he's going to pitch to 
that he does do that, that he stops the quarterback. You, the defensive end's got a real easy one responsibility. It's just get the quarterback no matter what, right? Because you want him to start pitching the ball sooner. Well, those gaps, where it's the A, the C, you know, or whichever gap it is, we have linebackers back there that are designed to crash those gaps as well. Because as a defensive lineman, you may be occupied with a blocker. Yes, you want to be able to shed and grab the, the running back or whatever it is. But sometimes you're locked up. You need that linebacker to come in and crash that gap to get him, to stop him. That's what is there. If they run it well, linebackers take the bait too because they've got reads and they may crash that gap. And running back will just, you may tackle him and he gets up laughing because he doesn't have the football. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the big thing with the option. You just have to play smart. Yes. And you can have all the athleticism in the world, but it doesn't matter if you're playing an option team. That's why you see a team like Georgia Tech go in and they would beat top teams like Clemson and give Georgia fits because they play a different style of football. And you have to be incredibly disciplined in order to be able to stop them. And if you're not, all of a sudden you have a game like Wake Forest versus Army last year. Wake Forest won, but it was 70 to 56. And Army put up a ton of points because they were getting like 70-yard runs for touchdowns because they weren't playing with good enough discipline. Once mm-hmm. Asamoah learns that discipline angle, Dave, all bets are off. And he can be a very good player because the athleticism and physicality are there for the young man from Oklahoma. Now let's <laughs> move on to guy, Dave. He is a rookie. He ain't playing like one. And that is Ed Ingram, the guard from LSU. He got run with the ones. Against, I can't believe I don't have his picture loaded. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go Dave, ahead. Th- it's a, it's a big round belly. How do you not? I know have it the is. It's loaded? one I like a whole lot. <laughs> um, Ingram had a really good game against the 49ers, but he did allow a sack against Javon Kidlaw inside the ten yard line. Now uh-huh. Ingram ended up talking about it post game. Sorry, mm-hmm. yesterday. Now here's here's the big thing with that. He overset. Now here, kind of here's what that means. So. Um, you have like you have your guard just to the right of the center, okay? And then in front of him is going to be a defensive tackle. Now there's multiple ways that that tackle can line up. He lined up in the three technique position, which the zero technique is right in front of the center. The one technique is in the A gap. You have your two eye, and then the three technique is going to be just shaded off to the right side of the guard and in between the guard and the tackle, okay? So. You have Javon Kinlaw just off to Ed Ingram's right. So what he does when he oversets is when he gets into his stance, he commits just a little too far to the right, all right? And because he commits too far to the right, you have an athletic freak like Javon Kinlaw who can take advantage of that, put his foot in the ground, and explode and go around. And because he was able to do that, Ingram could not fix that. He couldn't all of a sudden, like, um, undercompensate and uh, uh, recover. That's the word. He couldn't recover, and Kinlaw was able to get the sack. Part of that is also on Kellen Mond because he should have had the internal clock in his head that said, hey, I need to get rid of the football. I need to get rid of this because that like it's just been too long. I have spent too much time in the pocket, and he didn't. So part of that's on him. 
But when you're at Ingram, this is a great learning experience because, hey, he overset, he learned his lesson, and he's going not going to re- repeat the same thing. And I think that's a really positive sign for the Vikings that he already identified it and is going to be able to take a step to be able to fix it. The fact that he already got run with the ones I thought was huge. Um, those joint practices were arguably more important than the game itself. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the fact that Ingram has been relatively the most consistent offensive lineman that we have had over the course of the past couple preseason games. Yep. And if you want to know more about Ed Ingram on that play and others, uh, Darren and I went over it yesterday on two old bloggers, including pictures and tweets and all sorts of stuff. Ooh, Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to check that out while I'm working tomorrow. That should be a good old time. And if Um, if you want to see him when he and Schlottman blow out the right side for a Ty Chandler to score a touchdown, I suggest going to member of Climbing the Pocket, Nick Olson's tweet, stream, treat, line, whatever they call it. And he's got the clip there, both from the sideline view and from behind the coach's film, behind the quarterback view. And it is a thing of beauty. We have not had an interior line push like that in years. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Raymond, I don't know if he's starting game one, but I want to see Chris Reed. Chris Reed has been dealing with an ankle injury, which is why we haven't seen him in the first two weeks. He obviously missed the joint practices. That stinks. Ingram starting week, week one. Yeah. I, I'm not willing to commit to that yet because you. I want to I want to see Chris Reed because I think Reed has the ability to beat out Ingram week one. I don't think Jesse Davis is going to because Davis – He's, he's a traffic cone. Ed Ingram, in my opinion, has already beaten out Jesse Davis. But with what Chris Reed is and how solid he is as a pass protector, I want to see him play before I make any kind of true commitment that Ingram is going to play week one. To me, that's the big thing. Now, we need to move on to Austin Schlotman. Mm-hmm. Schlotman played very well. He and Ed Ingram paved the way for Ty Chandler's touchdown. Schlotman... Played better than, <laughs> yes, Joseph, yes, you are right. Schlotman uh, plays better than I thought. Honestly, uh, the way he projects, he projects kind of like a discount Bradbury. Athletic, good mover, but really can't anchor. He had potentially the game of his life. I want to see more. I want to see him duplicate the performance. He doesn't have to get exactly what he did this week. But I want to see a a back-to-back good performances from Schlotman. If he's able to do that with the struggles we already know Bradbury has had, there is a non-zero chance that Austin Schlotman could be your starting center week one. 
Should he be your starting center is the bigger question. Um, Chris Reed no, was getting snapped. At, yeah, he, I think he's made the team at this point. Chris Reed is going to also be able to take center snaps. He's already been doing it during camp. Um, but Schlotman having this kind of performance is a good thing, especially because he was playing some against Javon Kinlaw. It's a big win for the Vikings to have a backup center who was a, who is capable. And we really haven't had a capable center in quite a while. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, we're going to move on to Mr. Mankato. Now, I, I want you to run down the rules for Mr. Mankato because the guy I'm going to talk about I think should probably win it, but he can't. Third round draft pick or later, must not be an established NFL player. Um, a committee member may put up a player if he doesn't fall into those buckets and voted on to the conclusion of the preseason. The guy I want to mention, Dave, is T.Y. McGill. Now, he was, I believe he wasn't taken earlier than the third round. Right. I believe he I, he was taken, um, I think he was taken like round six. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. He is a ninth-year vet. Right. He's been in the league too long. But he's also been with eight teams. He's never caught on. He he's, has not played a lot of football. But what is established in this sense? Because I, just because he's been around doesn't mean, in my opinion, he's established. He came in as a super depth guy that had a long shot of making this roster. He's got three and a half sacks, like nine pressures, been absolutely dominant playing both a finesse and physical style game. I like. At what point do we uh, kind of not necessarily break the rules, but embellish the rules a little bit to get a guy like T.Y. McGill uh, votes for Mr. Mankato. You got to talk to the, the other beat writers. I'm going to call Judd. He's out of the hospital. Uh, I'm sure. Did he come home? Did, did he come home this afternoon? Yep. And yeah. in true Judd fashion, he recorded a video from his hospital room talking about the Nick Mullins trade because Judd is, Judd is special. Mm-hmm. He is wonderful. And he is a grinder. That is, that is just peak Judd, and I love it. Um, but T.Y. McGill, I think, has earned himself a roster spot, which yes. I didn't think he had a chance in hell to make this roster considering what he had in front of him, and he just has played incredibly well. Jalen Twyman, I think, is really on the roster bubble. I saw um, Aaron put him up. Twyman's had some flashes, but he's also been washed out way too often, and when you play his style of football – that can be very difficult because he is a speed-style rusher. He's not a power guy. He's going to beat you with quickness. Like, if you remember watching John Randall play, the style that John Randall liked, liked to win at the point of attack, quickness and finesse. He almost never won with pure power. That's Twyman's style, too. Mm-hmm. They, and size-wise, Randall's a little bit smaller than Twyman, but Twyman's like 6'1". His best playing weight is like 280, 285. You're not talking about a large human being here uh, for, compared to the position. So Twyman is working on a roster spot, but with the success of T.Y. McGill, you can see Twyman uh, heading right back to the practice squad, which in essence is a little tough. Mm-hmm. Well, you figure maximum they're probably going to keep six interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. 
I think six is kind of the sweet spot because you're playing three of those guys pretty much every snap. Right. You got Tomlinson, you've got Harrison Phillips, you've got Armand Watts, who's assumed to be the starting three on your three four. Um, then you got T.Y. McGill, who I think's locked it up. So that means your other two spots are between Ezeze Otomoeo, Moeo, or however you pronounce it, the rookie. Now, Otomeo. He may be waived and then slide onto the practice squad. You have James Lynch. You have Jalen Twyman. TJ Smith is still there. And then Jonathan Bullard, who had a good game this last game. And I'll be honest, I think Bullard's earned himself a roster spot too. <laughs> kind of an afterthought signing late, late in the game, right before training camp. He's got five years of the Vic Fangio scheme under his belt. He's been explosive. I think you're probably looking at your six being your three starters, Armand Watts, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, James Lynch, T.Y. McGill, Jonathan Bullard is your backups, and then you slide Jalen Twyman onto the practice squad. Um, it's Honestly, it's a really solid group when, it, when you talk about depth. You're not talking about a lot of studs and a lot of like future all pros or pro bowlers, but you've got really solid players all the way down to your seventh, eighth, and ninth guys, and that is a great luxury to have it for the Minnesota Vikings. It is. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, let's let's talk some Mr. Mankato guys. Um, I think one of the, the players that you can talk about for Mr. Mankato, Amir Smith-Marset is an interesting candidate. Um, he's not even on uh, Judd's Mr. Mankato finalist. Nope. Um, so let's go over this. Uh, Joseph and one Florida Gator on the team. L- listen, they're in the league now. I still love my Gators, but I'm I'm just going to be honest with you. It also uh, pains me to say Janarius Robinson, Florida State Seminole, is not going to make the team. So take with that what you will, my friend. Um, Tristan Jackson, Ty Chandler, Brian Asamoah, Patrick Jones II, and Jalen Twyman as your five. I think that's a really solid list. Of those, I think I'm probably looking at the middle three over the outside two, Chandler mm-hmm. Osamoa and Patrick Jones, the second, would probably be my three guys to uh, like campaign for for this award. I think Chandler's just been tremendous in the games. Um, and obviously, I haven't been able to be at practice like Judd, but him putting him at second, I think, speaks volumes. The explosiveness, the quick burst, the downfield speed, and he's got some physicality to his game. Mm-hmm. Less than 700 touches throughout five years of college football. So the age 23 should not uh, be as big of an impact as it would on a guy like, say, Dalvin. When Dalvin came out, does Dalvin have like 900 touches coming out of Florida State? Ty Chandler, very limited usage at Tennessee, transfers to North Carolina for his senior year, gets the most touches in his career, and does a great job with it. Um, I also think Patrick Jones the second. And I give all the credit to Lockdown Vikings, Luke Braun, and I've said it on this show before, and I wrote about it in the um, in my instant reaction piece for the um, for the Vikings Wire. Mm-hmm. Patrick Jones had like four pass rush reps at about thirty percent, four pass rush moves. Excuse me, because you have four moves that you're okayish at, but you're not great at any of them. That can be a problem early on. But if you develop one, and then you develop two. All of a sudden, now you have a really good, at minimum, rotational pass rusher. 
Jones has the size and athleticism. You wish the arm length was a little more. Only like 32 and an eighth. You're not talking about a guy with big arms, but he knows how to use his body. He knows how to bend to the edge. Jones is becoming a very good rotational pass rusher. In my opinion, he's the third best edge on this team. So if you have Hunter Darius Smith go down for a significant period of time, I think you can feel pretty comfortable having Patrick Jones the second opposite the other one. Well, I like Brian Asamoah as well. He was on there that list and he has done to me nothing but impressed yeah he's missed a few plays but he's growing as well it's a good list it's tougher than in previous years yeah and honestly with Mr. Mankato I think that's a good thing you like having these guys in the back end of the roster playing well Tristan Jackson has not been getting a lot of love I think he's been excellent because of uh like He's really flashed in some of these preseason games, being able to get uh, generate some decent explosive plays, get in position to make even more, and he knows how to catch the football. I think he is somebody that could easily make the back end of this roster, but I think if it's going to be between him and Jalen Naylor, that Tristan Jackson, they try to sneak him onto the practice squad because they have draft capital investment in Naylor, and that's such a big deal with these guys. That draft capital investment really can make or break a guy at the end of the day. I agree. All right. Perfect. Um, Dave, we have talked about uh, the majority of our topics here today. I think, although one thing that we're going to do here to finish up is talk about projections for the last preseason game this Saturday night in Denver, Colorado, against the Denver Broncos. Now, we're probably going to see all three quarterbacks play, and I don't think we're going to see the starters. Um, Kirk Cousins has looked pretty good in camp. There's no reason to put him out there, especially if you weren't going to do it in the second preseason game. I was about to say, game. who are you calling all three? You're, you're thinking Mullins, Mannion, and yep. Hunt. Mm-hmm. I think they're all going to get some time. Um, I don't know if Mullen is going to, or Mullins is going to get a lot because he's going to just be coming in. I think he's going to get a bunch, and then you have – Obviously, Mon and Mannion are still battling for a roster spot at this point. Um, I want to see continued growth from the offensive line. Wyatt Davis, per PFF grade, had a bunch of uh, really good numbers. I'll kind of pull them up here. He was one of the best-graded Vikings this past week, which I found fascinating. He graded out 67.1, 83.1 in pass blocking. I have not gotten to see his reps up close. Mm-hmm. But that's a good sign. I don't think it's going to help him make the team, but it might help him sneak onto the practice squad. And because you're talking about a guy who was a third-round pick, has really been in the doghouse his entirety of his career, you might be able to actually sneak him onto the practice squad. And one guy I really want to watch for in that offensive line, I want to see Vidarian Lowe. Six-round pick out of Illinois, has a really good body type, like 35-and-a-half-inch arms like 6'6", 300 pounds, I want to see him take a step and be able to use some of those tools that he had because he is very raw. They they picked him in a similar vein to how the Vikings picked Ole Udo. Big guy, long arms, needs a lot of work. If you can work with him and improve him slowly but surely, day after day, you could have, a at worst, a rotational piece, and at best, you may be able to get a quality starter, somebody that you can count on 
to not be a disaster at either guard or tackle. And I'm very intrigued to see what Lowe can do. Um, Davidson, I think Davidson um, figured out a way to get cut from this team. you got to catch the football. You have to catch the football. He could be squirted onto the practice squad. Yep, I absolutely think he can be squirted out on the practice squad. It sh- honestly, it shouldn't be too hard considering he was no. a super raw player from a Division II school, played both tight end and punter. So he's going to need some time. Uh, we're also going to need to see a little bit more from the cornerback position. Chandon Sullivan did not play, but he got cooked in the first game. And he was, uh, from all reports that I've seen, he was not playing very well at training camp. I want to see a little bit more from him. I want to see some more from Caleb Evans. Metellus had a really nice game uh, this past Saturday. Uh, let's see if, if he can win that fourth safety spot because he is very good on special teams. Uh, the linebacker core. Who's getting that fourth job, Dave? Uh, we have Asamoah, Kendricks, and Hicks. Who's going to be the fourth guy? Troy Dye looks like he's he's lost more than like a fourth grader inside of a target. Uh, <laughs> Like uh, Blake Lynch was the guy I thought was going to be able to run away with that job. He seems to kind of be in the doghouse. Um, who's going to win that fourth job? It, I it really isn't Chaz know. Surratt. He may get mm. cut tomorrow. Chaz Surratt. Oh, Surratt has a blueprint to be really good, but he's just he just stinks. It's it's really unfortunate. The third round of that twenty twenty one draft had a lot of potential. When you looked at some of the guys on the board, um, I, if you watch that stream, a live stream back, mm-hmm. I was pounding the table for the entirety of that second round for the Vikings to do whatever they could to go up and get Creed Humphrey. And then we wouldn't uh, have any of this going on right now. So Sir, all you had to do was trade 66 and 73, and you give up Kellen Mond and Chad Surratt, and you get an all-pro quality center in Creed Humphrey. That's all I wanted. That's all I asked for. We didn't get it. But we're going to look back at that third round as a huge missed opportunity to continue this uh, competitive rebuild for the Vikings, which is frustrating. But it's one of those things that kind of is what it is. You can't fix everything in one year. Nope. Um, Joseph? Um, I am going to have a glass after this show. I needed some water. I I had dinner at happy hour with some friends. Had a couple brewskis. I'm taking it easy for a minute. I am going to pour myself a glass of barrel seagrass. I'm very excited about it. Dave, before we wrap up here today, what are your um, things that you are looking forward to the most? And I know you're going to talk more about some of these things on Two Old Bloggers come Sunday afternoon. Not Sunday. Well, they'll be Saturday. We'll do the pregame show this week. Oh, that's right. Because Darren's back in Yellowknife. We can go to our, well, normal scheduled time on Saturday. <laughs> uh, since this is a night game, we could actually do our normal scheduled time, which is 4 Central. Um, it's We're going to be talking about, we're going to preview the game. We've already gone over the list. Let me bring it up. Um, uh, give me a second. There is a few things we're going to be talking about. That's not the one I wanted. Where is it? Come on. When you got 1,800 screens open, it gets busy. <laughs> and I shouldn't. I know the feeling. Taxes the computer. 
Okay, here we go. Darren and I talked this morning. We are looking at... Uh, obviously, the Mullins trade will go over. Um, yep. Let's see. Uh, offense is one of the things we're going to talk about. Let's see. Whether Mullins is a good backup, obviously we think so. Uh, are they going to keep Mond? We'll find out. I'm trying to remember what else. There are a few other things that I'm not seeing that I know we wrote this morning. Um but it should be a good show. We'll prep. We'll talk about a little bit about the Broncos. Um, not that it really matters because it's preseason. We'll see how we match up, who plays, who doesn't, who's on the bubble. One of the things I will be doing later this week is going through my depth chart and trying to forecast the final 53. Should get it relatively close. And mm -hmm. uh, see how close we are. Uh, see how we're off by anybody. This is something I know Drew loves doing as well. To say, hey, these are the final. Here's your roster. They kept six of this, five of this, three of that. And, you know, they kept one punter and one kicker, one long snapper. Yeah, I got that one. Um, but we'll go over all that stuff. Yeah, I'll. Uh, uh, now that I am the editor of the Vikings Wire, Dave, I will have a piece probably going up tomorrow talking specifically about who I have currently projected to uh, make the final 53. I may wait for full roster cuts in order to do that, but I don't expect any of the people on my 53 to be cut. And that I'll have a final prediction after that first game or last game against the Denver Broncos. And then we'll break down the, the full 53 once it's released, including the practice squad. Right. Dave, we are, just a couple weeks away, 20 days away. Yeah, that's almost three weeks, From yeah. live, regular season Vikings. And we can see football. the ones, finally. Yay. It's a big win, Dave. We have made it. Uh, um, Dan, yes, Creed Humphrey could have been a first-rounder. Should have been a first-rounder. I had him as my 12th best player in that, that class. Just incredible. Guys, thank you for the congratulations. I appreciate it. It's it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to write about the Vikings consistently and not have to worry about um, anything else, which is really, really cool. And Aaron, yes, C.J. Hamill make the squad. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, C.J. Ham gets used a lot like a tight end. Mm -hmm. um, He'll be that fourth and, tight end. In my, if, you're, yeah. if you're counting tight ends, there'll be three <clears throat> tight ends and C.J. Ham. Yep. Um, I I will say um, I'm leaning more and more towards the Vikings don't keep Alexander Madison on this roster. I just – I don't see I, – I can't see it with the talent behind him. And they've got that's, – that's one thing I thought we were going to talk about tonight. The running backs, right? You have Dalvin Cook. You have Alexander Madison who had a good game this last game. And proves his worth when, especially when it comes to pass blocking, you have 
Yeah. Kenne uh, Wang Chung, Nwangu, who you, at least has it for kickoff returns, but I think he's great on the field, especially in space. He yeah. can catch the ball well. Ty Chandler can do that too. So there's four backs right there. And uh, do they keep more? We had Mr. Kobach, um, if I pronounce that right, who had a good game too. And uh, we could probably squirt him onto the practice squad. But it is yeah. it is very much a quality room. There are There's talent top to bottom. You can't say that about all positions. But you can about the running backs. So I I look forward to that. It's it's going to make it tough on the coaches, you know, O'Connell and Quasi to figure out who are we going to try to sneak through waivers, who are we cutting, who are we releasing, you know, can we take any phone calls on Madison? Is Madison a good deal? Our friend of the show, Matthew Collar, is screaming up and down, going, "No, no, no! You trust Madison? You keep Madison? It would be foolish not to." Well, I'm thinking, no, I think it's. A uh, good idea. I think he is expendable. Not only could you save the money, even though he's in the fourth year of his rookie deal, um, if somebody's desperate, maybe you can pick up that seventh rounder you just traded today for a backup quarterback. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. But hey, at the end of the day, we got a thumb down. Who gave us a thumb down? Just it was probably Joseph for me not having a drink in my hand during the game. Let's just be honest here. Joseph, I kid, bud. I kid. Um, hey, in the meantime, thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. This has been the best show live that we've had since uh, a week after the draft. We This yeah, has draft been a lot of fun engagement, a lot of great discussion. We are going to continue to have <laughs> that throughout the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. Um, we only have a couple episodes left before the Vikings play a live football game. We're going to talk all about it. We are going to uh, talk about roster construction next week, and then the following week, we are going to deep dive the Green Bay Packers. Guys, this is going to be a really oh, fun yeah. season. And from Dave, myself, Tyler, thanks for letting us turn your Monday purple. And the last thing we always say Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.